The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have two very special guests, two wonderful human beings on the planet who are two of my favorites, Craig Neal and Patricia Neal. They are co-founders of Heartland Circle and Heartland Incorporated. Heartland is an organization dedicated to creating essential conversations among individuals and within organizations. They are also co-authors of a brand new book, which is just fantastic, The Art of Convening, Authentic Engagement in Meetings, Gatherings, and Conversations. Craig and Patricia, welcome to the show. Thank you Thank so much. you. Thanks, Cheryl. Great to be here. Good to have you. Now, tell me, where are the two of you today? Oh, we're in sunny, chilly Minneapolis. Woohoo! Pretty chilly, I bet. Woohoo! We live in Minneapolis on the shores of Lake Calhoun in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. It's a great city. Oh, it is a great city. And you have been having quite the winter. A real one. (laughs) <laughs> a real it's, one for it's, sure. It's the winter that Garrison Keillor often talks about. <laughs> it's true. It is absolutely true. Absolutely true. So we are privileged to have you both here today. You have um, just released brand new book, Your Baby, The Art of Convening, and it's very exciting for many of us who know you because we have watched as you have um, labored with love in the creation of this gift. And it is such an important contribution to the art of conversation and to the um, art of gathering. And we have a whole lot to learn from you today. But I want to start with um, why this matters to you. Each of you has um, varied background. You have done so many things in your lives um, that have made a difference in so many ways, and that has brought you to where you are today. So, Patricia, let's start with you. You, um, you have such passion. Knowing you, um, what I experience of you is you have such passion around community. You have such passion around the way people come together. Why does that matter to you? Mm, Really good question. Thank you. Um, Craig and I have been bringing people together since we've been together for 33 years in some way, shape, or form uh, through organizing, through community, through politics, through our work. And what we began to notice over the years was that there is so much wisdom when you bring people together. Actually, there are two elements. One is there's always so much wisdom in the room that is, you know, has the opportunity to um, elevate everyone's experience that in often in meetings and gatherings or conferences, you know, what people are focused on is the uh, keynoter or the main speaker, and there isn't an opportunity for, um, for, for others, the participants, to get to know one another and to really express the wisdom that they're bringing to the meeting. And um, so, there, so th- for me, I found this yearning to connect people with one another so that there, so that all of that richness could be um, brought for, 
heard and revealed because I just knew internally that that was, or inherently, that that was, would be powerful for, uh, for this wisdom to be brought forward and for people to begin to see one another as really valuable and uh, important in uh, their own lives and, and leadership. And, and the other piece is uh, that we started uh, watching group dynamics and how people are together in a group and that uh, we wanted to create, uh, we both have a passion for, um, for people recognizing their inherent humanity and then humanity and that of others and that there's power in moving beyond the transactional uh, where you are looking for what that person's going to do for you or what you're going to do for that person to uh, moving it to the level of uh, relationship. And uh, transactional is good in many settings, but uh, relationship and relation, the moving it to the level of relationship changes the dynamic to, to me in a way that um, creates um, uh, a far greater potential and uh, ultimate sustainability. Mm. You know, I, um, when I hear you speak of that, I, of course, think of the thought leader gatherings that I have participated in um, that you all convene and over the years and, um, and the way that you um, take such care. And, you know, you have a long history. You both have a long history of bringing people together. Craig, you were um, a founder of Conscious Business Alliance, and you've been in the publishing world. Um, you spent part of your time as publisher of any reader. Uh, you know, you have always demonstrated a passion for gathering and gathering with intention. Right. Mm. Talk about that a little bit. Why did that become important to you? Well, it became uh, apparent uh, back as a teenager, really. Um, I'm a baby boomer brought up during the 60s uh, when a lot was going on, uh, not only the Vietnam War, but free speech, the civil rights movement, um, the so-called um, youth movement of that time. I mean, it's interesting now that we're in our 50s and 60s. Um, what became clear to me back then was that um, the social movements and the political movements at that time were all about how how are we together? How do we relate to one another? Hmm. And on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963, during the I Have a Dream speech, I was a 17-year-old uh, a senior in high school. Hmm. And I experienced that firsthand, and it really shifted my life. And it, it became more apparent to me that life was really about relationships and that if we could just clarify you know, why we're in relationship and how we're in relationship, um, things could work a whole lot better. It was that simple. And so fast forward to the 70s, 80s, 90s, and now, you know, into uh, or 2011, um, it's still about relationships, and that's pretty much why we wrote this book. And so my history as an executive, as a publisher, advertising, I mean, a very, very um, long history in um, in business world as well as the nonprofit world. What I found was that you could really tell a lot about an organization, a business, anything, any org- any institution by the meetings that they hold. So you spend five minutes in a meeting, and you could pretty much tell a lot about that culture. Mm, and what I found out was that. You know, when people are repressed and sitting on their hands and not feeling safe, um, you don't get the job done. Or you get the job done in a very, very different way than when people feel safe and they feel a part of um, of what's going on. So it's that mm-hmm. simple. So that's where the whole notion of convening came from in the thought leader gathering. 
Well, and you know, that's interesting, Craig, talking about people feeling safe and how that then um, provides the opportunity for more significant conversation. And, you know, from all of those experiences that you had and that, Patricia, you had, um, the concept of thought leader gathering was born. Now, that didn't happen right away, though. When you guys founded Heartland back in, um, way back when, 1996, I think, that I remember, right? Um, 95. 95. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, a long time ago, anyway. <laughs> we were all babies. Yes, we were. <laughs> oh, but back then, when you founded Heartland, did you see, have the vision for thought leader gatherings? You know, that's interesting. Uh, we began with national conferences called The Inner Life of Business, Igniting Purpose and Spirit at Work, uh, somewhat based on Richard Leiter's work, but uh, but uh, wanting to bring together, it was the beginning of um, uh, translating some of Craig's work from Utney Reader Magazine, where he was, you know, where Utney was uh, constantly in touch with uh, leading trends, visionaries, um, idea makers, change makers, mm. and we realized that uh, it was an interest of, of ours, and so we had these wonderful national conferences, two in Minnesota and one in Oakland, actually. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so began with those conferences, went on to um, have some workshops, and then in 1997, Richard Leiter said, you know, I think that what you guys really do well is you bring people together that I would call thought leaders. And you know how to gather people well. Why don't you call it a thought leader gathering? That's and then Craig went on the radio with um, a local corporate CEO. He was president of uh, a Land Lakes division, mm. and they were talking about work and spirit. And uh, a couple of people from Seagate Technology heard them and called us up the next day. And so, Craig, I'll let you take it from here. The basis of of what they were looking for was really a conversation. Um, They were in this corporate environment with 5,000 people here in the Twin Cities, and what they wanted to do is reach out to other leaders in the community to have a a conversation of substance, a conversation that really brought together who they were as people as well as organizational issues. So how does who you are relate to what you do? And um, they said, well, if you go out and find some other uh, corporate leaders in the community, um, we'll help fund it. So we went to Honeywell, and we found Kath O'Keefe, who was running a, a, a corporate uh, training and development, and she We all got together, and we invited 40 leaders from the Twin Cities area. We had our first thought leader gathering, and we've been holding them ever since. 13 years, every month for 13 years, we've produced 171 thought leader gatherings. You've been to many, many of them, Cheryl. And so you know the potency of when people get together and they have authentic conversations. We call it authentic engagement. Absolutely. And what you do to prepare for that, to set the stage, to get people in that space of being able to contribute um, is real art. And I love that you've called the book and this work The Art of Convening because it is an art. You know, we could say, well, yeah, there are steps, there are skills, but it moves beyond that. And you know, there's there's an element of the intuitive that has to come into play that you all have taught us so well. And I want to talk about um, the the process. You know what the art of convening looks like. And you know, just let's take a couple minutes right now before we go to break and just give us a little synopsis. 
either one of you. So the book really is the learnings of 30 years of our work with groups, um, you know, with families, with, <laughs> with our organizations, absolutely with the thought leader gatherings and our consulting work. But what we found is a common thing, that people want to have authentic engagements with one another. So basically, the book is just a, a, a wrap-up of all the things we've learned, and we've created this, what we call the convening wheel. And it's mm. nine aspects or nine steps that anyone can take that really look at the inner development of the person who is a convener, and we define convening as the art and the science of gathering, inviting people in, and then holding people energetically and physically in a container, right, like a room or a venue of some sort, mm -hmm. um, to elicit the highest possible outcome we possibly can from that engagement. And ultimately, what's the commitment that we have as in that engagement? And you notice that Craig was talking about um, the inner preparation and then the outer manifestation, and, and that really is aligned with something that we've always held, is that our work is, uh, uh, is at the nexus of leadership development and personal development, mm. that every good leader has also has some sense of who they, he, he or she is and has done the work to bring some self-awareness, whether it's reflective leadership, servant leadership, however you want to name it, mm -hmm. um, that, that this is a, that a core capacity of leadership is to know who you are as a leader and what are your values, what do you stand for as a leader. And so it ties right into what Craig was talking about that, you know, first there's the knowing of yourself as a leader and what do you stand for, and then how is it that, that you want to be with the people that you're gathering? Mm, I love that. And my experience of thought leader gatherings with Heartland, with you both, is that you cannot help but bring your whole self to that situation. There, it's just not possible. Right. Yeah. So we have much more to talk about when we come back right after this break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with Craig Neal and Patricia Neal today the co-authors of The Art of Convening, Authentic Engagement in Meetings, Gatherings, and Conversations. So we were just talking about the thought leader gatherings, which are an amazing 
um, opportunity for thought leaders to come together to support one another, to learn from one another, and to really dive deeply into topics that are significant and that matter to all of us. And I was just saying that, you know, participating in, in a thought leader gathering that you host, it's impossible to not bring your real self, your whole self, to that situation. And that has to do a lot with the way, um, I love the way you referred to it as the inner preparation and the outer manifestation of the art of convening. So share a bit with our listeners about what that preparation and what that manifestation looks like. The wheel that I mentioned earlier is is really the reason we developed this is because when you go back and you and you talk to people about meetings and the first impulse is meetings are a waste of time. Meetings suck. If we don't get much done, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting. I mean that's usually the first <laughs> that's the first thing a lot of people say, especially inside organizations, yep. right? And so what 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 we've been doing and I've been doing the art of convening trainings now since two thousand four and what I found was that most people think that a good meeting's all about technique. You know, if you only do this, if you only say this, if you only kind of do this at the right time, manipulate, etc. techniques, how tos. Well, I found that that's not necessarily true. In the hands of a really experienced facilitator, convener, mediator, moderator, coach. Yeah, sure. But it's the inner preparation that really makes the difference. It's when people are centered. We call it getting to the heart of the matter. When people are really clear that are calling a meeting, a meeting leader or a convener in our language, really is clear about the purpose and then the intent and then is able to communicate that in a well-integrated um, indication and then create context and then create an environment that really feels safe and generative for people, things start to really change. So in a lot of ways, it's an inner game. So mm-hmm. learning the inner game of meetings or convening is really a large part what it's all about, along with the tips and the techniques and all the methodologies and everything. It's really both and. Mm-hmm. So it's learning how to keep yourself in a place of generativity. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you when you call people in, a lot of people get nervous at meetings. You sure. know, that old saying that one of the most stressful things in the world is public speaking. Mm. Well, when you're leading a meeting, it's the same thing. You're, you're basically putting yourself out in the line. Sure. So when you call people to a meeting and you're uptight and there's no clear agenda and et cetera, et cetera, what happens? You get that kind of feedback. So in a lot of ways what we talk about in the book is how do you prepare yourself for your inner game? How do you get clear about that intent? How do you get clear about why it's important to hear people's voices and hear all the voices? So in large part, that's what we talk about. Well, what I hear you saying is that the art is just as much about the convener as it is about the convening. Exactly. Yeah. It is about the convening. It is about the convenor. It's the both and. The convening yeah. is, is more the practical application of what the convener is all about. Hmm. And so, you know, when you're with people that are at ease and they're comfortable with themselves, we call it authoring your own life, hmm. when they have that level of authority, there's something magical that happens. Right. You know, when, Take our thought leader gatherings, for example, and what you had to say about them. Mm. What we figured out a long time ago is that if Patricia and I did our inner preparation, if we arrived and we were just thrilled to have people there, 
and we invited this wonderful conversation to happen, you know, people would follow suit. Um, right. The same goes for people in, in a meeting about accounting. You know, it doesn't matter what the subject is. It right. matters about how you are. So, well, You know, it so, makes me... Th- makes me think about um, we've all been to um, hundreds and hundreds of meetings of many, you know, big scale, small scale. And there are times when you can see people using technique, using icebreakers, trying to get people to relax and connect. And, you know, they do things like try to get people to tell something about themselves. And, and mm-hmm. there is this resistance that immediately Mm -hmm. shows up and people (laughs) feel like they're being intruded upon Mm -hmm. and and yeah (laughs) they feel scared almost you know and um and and that does not happen in the thought leader gatherings that you create there is not that resistance um what's the difference between what you do and what i've just described well, that's a really good question, um, I, and it real. And as Craig was saying, first it uh, begins with the preparation that we do uh, uh, between us as co-conveners. But then there, then it ex- we extend that to um, the people who are helping us uh, set up as our team. Mm-hmm. But and then we extend it further to uh, paying attention to what are the agreements that we are asking the group to uh, meet with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you recall, but it, at, at the beginning of every thought leader gathering, and we do this at every meeting. I just uh, spoke at a women's leadership conference here in Minnesota, and um, at the beginning of both of my sessions, I clearly stated uh, what the expectations were, and uh, you know what what people could expect from the session, and then what were the agreements that w- w- would be present while we were meeting together. So we you know we did hear from everyone. We we uh, you know it was a very short amount of time, so it was a very brisk pace, and yet um, you know there was spaciousness, and it was uh, it was very rich, but. So I would say that, you know, first my inner preparation and then um, I had a couple of allies in the room that I had briefed to say, here's what the session is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And then I was very clear with people as to what the format and the uh, outcomes and the agreements were going to be for the session so that, uh, so that there, you know, it was, it was somewhat managing expectations. The other key was that the description of the course, the invitation, if you will, that people signed up and registered for my sessions, um, they knew somewhat what they were coming to. They mm-hmm. knew that they were coming to a highly participative, interactive meeting, because I said that in the description, so that uh, it wasn't a shock to someone coming in that they, that they would, were going to be participating. That's a great point, Patricia. I, I want to go back to agreements. It's one of the areas that most people forget. What are the agreements that we have? Mm. Every institution, every organization has cultural agreements and cultural norms. Right. When you find out what they are, and if you're a consultant or a facilitator or even a, a meeting leader, know what the know what those agreements, those cultural norms are. And what we find is that when we ask for agreements, for example, when Patricia and I work uh, work together, you notice what we do is we ask permission to convene Mm. or facilitate. And what that does is it automatically gives people an opportunity to give us permission to be the leader of the session. So there's no ambiguity there. We'll also say something about confidentiality, if that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say, okay, and if, if it's appropriate, you know, this is whatever said here is confidential. Please don't speak somebody else's story by their name. Mm-hmm. It, it begins to create an environment people with 
say, oh, I can speak my mind here and nobody's going to um, tell stories outside this meeting. It, little things like that make a huge difference. They absolutely do. Absolutely do. You know, when you speak about um, cultural norms, it occurs to me that norms are not always evident. Sometimes they're unspoken, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you get how do you get to those? I think that's one of the great perceptions of any facilitator, convener, um, anyone who's really um, doing this um, or, or a meeting leader. I, you ask yourself, okay, what are those cultural norms by being aware? Mm-hmm. Uh, doing your homework, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, Wells Fargo has very different culture than, say, a Best Buy, mm-hmm. or uh, the Presbyterian Church is different than the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So when you're engaging people, especially at the organizational level, doing your homework about what, you know, you don't want to step into something um, and and find out that now, oh, boy, you have to really undo a lot of things that... Uh, um, really aren't within the cultural norm. Mm. I don't know, Patricia, any of your thoughts on that? No, I think that's true. I think it is um, the pre- that level of preparation of um, asking questions. So one of the things that's true about the two qu- great qualities that we practice in the thought leader gatherings and the art of convening in all of our programs, and one of that one is. Uh, well, three, actually. One is being curious so that, that uh, we know to ask questions. Two is the capacity to ask a good question. And three is then to listen deeply mm. and, um, and listen, for, uh, you know, listen for the next question versus thinking that we're initially going to have all of the answers. Mm. Well, now that is um, something I know that you guys stress a lot around the listening to the other um, because, you know, sitting in circle as we do in Thought Leader Gathering and as you promote in the art of convening, um, you really help people understand how important it is to be present to someone else's voice and that that's not the time that we're supposed to be thinking about, you know, well, what am I going to say next? And, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that you have done that really, um, I think, underscores that is that you ask the group to leave um, a silent space after someone speaks Mm. so that somebody doesn't just jump in right away. Right. And that is such, it sounds simple, right? And yet it has so much power in it. The impact is so um, big. I mean, it truly underscores listening. It truly underscores being present to the person who has just spoken. Mm. It reminds me of a great uh, Mark Twain quote. People just need a good listening to. <laughs> <laughs> that Mark Twain, and, he was so smart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, the leaders that um, are worth their salt to me in my life, and I've had many mentors, uh, people that really are good at what they do, tend to be more interested than interesting. Mm-hmm. More interested in being interested. Mm. and being interesting. And so, you know, that that says to me they listen. And it's such a core competency. Mm -hmm. So setting up any meeting, gathering, conversation, when you feel listened to, what happens, right? Mm -hmm. You open up. You tend to want to, you tend to want to engage. Right. When you feel that you're being listened to. Right, right. Yeah. You know, Cheryl, in December, um, we interviewed, or our conversation started with the CTO of Thomson Reuters Corporation, and mm-hmm. he is known for um, he is known for his people skills in a 
uh, line of, you know, in a segment of the industry. That, I mean, first of all, Thomson Reuters is a highly technical right. uh, company. But then also, I mean, he, he will say most people don't expect a CTO to pay attention to people processes and people, people, period. Right. Um, but what he's known for and the reason he was our conversation starter was that people kept coming to us and saying, have you met Rick King yet? Well, Rick is one of the best listeners that I've ever met. He pays attention and he asks questions. And what he would say is that he makes it his business to be engaged with his people. Um, and it doesn't matter that he's in technology or that he's uh, in IT or, you know, that it's the professional division of Thomson Reuters. That it's that he's a leader, and his definition of leadership is to pay attention and reach out and listen to his people. Mm. Well, we have more to talk about with Craig and Patricia when we come right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business? How they hire and develop top talent? How do they retain top employees and customers? Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideals and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up-and-coming leaders as well as established leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we have Craig Neal and Patricia Neal with us, authors of The Art of Convening. So tell us, you guys, about this book. Patricia, tell us a bit about why this book. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Over the years, when we've had our meetings and our conferences and our gatherings, people often leave and say, wow, this was a really great meeting. I could never do this back at my office or with my team, uh, or I don't know how to, where do I begin? You know, even if they think they can do it, where do I begin? Mm-hmm. And so uh, long ago, I began noticing that people were using the word convening increasingly to say, convene, you know, I'm convening a meeting. And so I was uh, was talking to Craig and saying, Craig, I think that people need a recipe for how to meet, mm-hmm. and you know our recipe, and and uh, you know where to begin. Here's step one, step two, and th- because that's the way that I work the best. I am a recipe person. Mm-hmm. I love to take a recipe, start at the beginning, follow the process, master that recipe and then I make it my own. So th- that it's my process for how I learn best and then how I grow and um, 
execute. Well, and that's how you then created the convening wheel, right? Right, exactly, for people like me. (laughs) And most of us. (laughs) We like to know how. So let's talk a little bit. There are nine aspects of the convening wheel, and we've covered some of these in our conversation today. Um, Craig, you want to talk about some of your favorites? It was an easy step-by-step guideline is really what the convening wheel is all about. It's, it's, a, it's a way for people to enter and to exit a conversation or a meeting. And we talked about convening being uh, about taking, really taking charge of, of being in a relationship. Um, and so when you think about any time that you are engaged in, in a relationship, there's always a sense of, okay, what are, what are we going to do together? You know, how is it going to work? And then once you get that clear and you put out the invitation and people show up and, um, you know, you set a context for why you're there, you know, one of the tough things really is, is what we call creating the container. And so it's a two-part step. It's, it's one part is choosing the right environment. It's like, okay, let's have a... You know, uh, are we going to uh, have our meeting in a windowless office? Or are we going to have it in a place that uh, is what we call suitable for human habitation? <laughs> so make those decisions along the way. Yeah. You know, what, where are we going to meet? So picking the room. What's the room look like inside? You know, all of those kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're common sense. Quite often we forget about it. We just say, okay, we're meeting in conference room B. The other part of that is the energetic quality that is, that is present in the room. And so what we call, we call the, ener- the energetic quality of creating the container is really about those agreements that we talked about earlier because the agreements create the safety, right? So once you've created the container, one of the things that we do almost naturally is, okay, who's in the room? Mm. And we call that aspect of the wheel hearing all the voices. We find that when you hear people's voices, when people speak, when people are present, we call it present and accounted for, Mm. they tend to want to step into the meeting and take accountability and responsibility for their actions and what they're there for and ultimately for the end product or the end commitment. So hearing all the voices is another aspect we work with. Once people are engaged, once they're asked, you know, what do you think? What are you about? Why are you here? Questions like that. Then what naturally tends to happen is we enter into this essential conversation with one another. There's this give and there's this take, and things start to ease up a little bit. This is where it starts to get creative, and this Mm. is the creation aspect. That's the eighth aspect of the wheel. We're almost finished now. We're almost to what we call a commitment to action. But first you have to get to this creativity. Mm. This is where... Quite often, it's 70 to 75% of any meeting is engaged in this creative process between essential conversation and creation. And it can be messy, but it's a whole lot less messy if you've done all the other steps because people start to be engaged. People start to say, oh, my gosh, I'm a part of something that's bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. People that are usually introverts start to step forward a little bit. The ones that tend to be extroverts tend to step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. There tends to be a sense of, hey, we're in this together. You know, a lot of this is just a natural process if you begin at the beginning and, and you nurture this. So it's just like planting a garden. You have to take care of the garden so when things grow, they can grow healthy. And then finally, you get to the end game. Are we committed to a way forward together or not? You know, I mean, it's that simple. And the tendency is if you have alignment with the people, they see 
themselves as a part of something whole. They see themselves as a part of this meeting or this gathering or this conversation. The commitment to the way forward together becomes a whole lot easier Mm. to get that sense of commitment, responsibility, and accountability to one another. So one of the tools that you talk about in the book um, that fits the aspect of hearing all voices, I've seen you use again and again, um, most of the time at the beginning of meetings, Mm -hmm. called stringing the beads. Tell us about that. Very briefly, it's a wonderful metaphor. Uh, and we learned this from our very, very good friends. Um, and it's been passed down for many years. It's an ancient practice, really. I mean, if you think about any gathering, as an individual coming, uh, any gathering is made up of individuals. You know, they're all unique. Everybody's unique, one of a kind. And if you ask people to speak and imagine themselves as this one of a kind bead, and the definition of a bead is that it has a hole through it. Now, the hole is meant to be strung, put something through to string to other beads. So a bead is not meant to be solitary. It is meant to join other beads to create something that's bigger. Right? Right. So if you imagine yourself as a bead and your voice as the thread that's being passed, When you speak, you imagine you're stringing yourself to the other people in that meeting. So each time somebody speaks, they're passing that thread through. So the metaphor of stringing the beads. Now, why do we use it? We use it mainly because um, it helps people to see that they're part of something whole. And when they see that they're part of something whole, maybe not at the very beginning, but once people start to speak, they start to relate, oh, I'm part of this group. Mm. So they speak from a different place. They speak from an individual as a part of a community in a way. Mm-hmm. And there's a, an, an additional really practical piece that we've found that's, that is is that after gatherings where, there is, where it's either inter- intergenerational or multicultural, often the younger people or the people from other cultures will come up to us and say, that's what we do, or particularly the people in other cultures. For the younger people, it's, wow, thanks so much for letting me have a voice. And for the people from other cultures, it's, wow, this is what we do back in my village or my culture where you don't do business until you've talked to one another. Right. And the way that Americans do business, we don't understand. So right. this is very not natural to, um, you know, to, to many different segments of our increasingly diverse population. Right, right. Well, and, you know, one of the elements of the gatherings you create is sitting in circle. Right. And um, no matter how large the, the gathering is, and the power of that, it never ceases to amaze me. And, of course, I use that with my clients. And, of course, I've been told many, many times, as you have, oh, they will never do that. There's no way you'll ever get them to do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, we go, gee, that's pretty amazing. You know, they did it. And not only did they do it, but they liked it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if what you have done is you have given them permission mm-hmm. to kind of step out of the square box, step out of the, oh, we have to do it a certain way, and relax a little bit. I mean, the circle itself, to me, feels easy, feels relaxing, you know. Give us about 30 seconds on the circle, because we're getting close to the end of the show, but I, it's so important. Well, long ago, we both decided that circle would be the organizing principle of our meetings whenever we could do it. We're not always able to have a circle, but I find that I'm increasingly um, drawn to it. And and the purpose is is that it creates peerage. It creates the ability to see one another. You can't multitask 
while you're in a circle, and so that means that people are very present and accounted for. There are a lot of great values to having a circle. Mm, That's wonderful. Well, you guys, we are coming to the end of the show, and I know that we've only piqued the curiosity of people, and they will want to know a whole lot more. So where can they learn more about you and Heartland and the Art of Convening? Well, that would be www.heartlandcircle.com, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D circle.com. Um, and on there is, a, you know, the home page has our book and a link to the book page with its endorsements. We have some really amazing, we're, we're just honored to have some amazing endorsements. And, of course, you can, you can get the book at Amazon, and of course, on Amazon, Amazon. And Barnes & Noble. Yep, yep. And um, Well, it's a beautiful book, and it is a real gift for anyone who is doing this kind of work or who would like to do this kind of work. It is a true education in how to do it right. You have brought years and years of wisdom and experience and put it into a very concise, very accessible, very applicable process that... Um, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of success with. Mm. So thanks for being here today. Um, you know, we will have you back again, you know, see how, how the book's been doing and what your next book's going to be about. <laughs> yes. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much, Cheryl. Well, we good you, to talk Cheryl. to you both. Thanks okay. again. Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.